slowdown on the sea to sky. Two muni buses and a school bus off the road in the ditch. Thousands race to the mountains in the rush to enjoy fresh snow. A master class in gang recruitment. We're seeing an unprecedented inreach of gangs into our schools. How young students are being targeted by organized crime. And calls for the West Vancouver mayor to resign. He's demonstrated that he's not capable of exercising such authority properly. His admission of misconduct in his role as a lawyer and other reasons his judgment is being questioned. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. Metro Vancouver might have dodged the bullet with this week's snowfall, but the Sea to Sky Highway has not. Aaron MacArthur shows us how skiers and boarders watched precious runtime slip away, going nowhere fast. When it started, it seemed like it might not stop. At Function Junction, the snow kept piling up, and the skiers trying to get up to the mountain for an epic day sat and waited. Uh, this is the state of Whistler Creekside right now. Down there, there's a rear-wheel drive car with summer tires who's sideways. That's, that's fun. There was so much snow, Highway 99 became quickly impassable. Buses off the road. Two muni buses and a school bus off the road in the ditch. Miller Capilano, which maintains Highway 99, didn't respond to requests for information. The resort municipality of Whistler, in a statement, says an incident at Creekside held up municipal snow clearing, but priority routes were targeted and cleared as quickly as possible. Oh yeah, and all the windows on the bus are all smashed out. And the one bus smashed into the other one. The low snowpack has been well documented around BC. And while Whistler has seen more snow than most resorts, it has been an average year at best. A dump of more than 50 centimeters, just what the doctor ordered. Oh my God. It was warm enough for rain in the village Wednesday afternoon, but the snow isn't done. The Sea to Sky Corridor could be hit with another round Wednesday night. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. All right, for more on that, let's bring in senior meteorologist Christy Gordon. As Aaron said, uh, Christy, it's mm -hmm. died down there a bit, but more snow on the way. That's right. So temperatures are dropping, Sophie, and we're expecting another significant round with the potential for 15 centimeters by tomorrow morning. Heads up for anyone trying to head up there early tomorrow morning. We'll likely see significant snow on the roads. Now, during the day tomorrow, though, conditions ease off and become much more spotty. We're still expecting some snow, but it will be much better on the roads at that time. But we're not done with this cool and unsettled pattern. We are expecting it to last for potentially the next six days, which is terrific news, not just for Whistler, for all of the mountains across southern BC as we remain in this very cool and unsettled pattern, it looks like right into early next week. So, and not great for travelers, but certainly great because we also know that we need that snowfall so much for the snowpack into the spring and summer months. Back to you. We certainly do. Thanks, Christy. Okay, Victoria's police chief has a warning for parents tonight. Gang members are actively recruiting in local schools, targeting kids as young as 11. As Kylie Stanton reports, Chief Del Manic wants the Victoria School District to restart its school liaison officer program. Hey, you know that gang I was talking about? It's been a problem plaguing BC for years now. I just joined it yesterday. Gangs infiltrating schools, luring students down a dangerous path. And in Victoria, 
police have their hands tied. We're hearing loud and clear from parents. Many, many parents in SD61 schools don't feel that their children are safe. Last year, the Greater Victoria School Board voted unanimously to cut the school liaison officer program, citing concerns for students of color and the Indigenous population who may not feel comfortable in their presence. But since then, the police chief says gang activity in schools has surged, with seven street gangs operating in the Greater Victoria area. One person allegedly recruiting students in nearby parking lots has been arrested. This individual uh, is, uh, is a known uh, trafficker and, uh, and again what we're, what we're seeing is this is just the highlight of other observations that our officers have made. This is just one person of many. On Monday, the police chief pleaded his case to the school board, calling on members to reinstate the program. The problem is we have a vacuum in Victoria, a vacuum where there is nobody looking over and watching over our kids. And I think um, in place of that, you're going to have people filling that vacuum uh, to exploit our kids. Our children and our schools are at huge risk now. And unfortunately, the Board of Education has made that worse. The Greater Victoria School Board told Global News it would not be commenting on the matter. And while it is their decision whether or not to run the program, BC's Solicitor General says it plays an important role in the anti-gang strategy. I fully support uh, police uh, liaison uh, programs uh, in school districts. I think they can be very effective. But as it stands, the fear is the activity will only continue to escalate. Police left with no choice but to watch and wait. We are on the outside looking in. Kylie Stanton, Global News. A Vancouver man is still in custody facing a bunch of charges that all started with riding a bike on a sidewalk without a helmet. Police say the 35-year-old suspect was seen riding an e-bike on the sidewalk near Hastings and Carroll Streets last Saturday. Two officers tried to stop him, but they say he jumped off the bike and ran away. When they finally caught up to him, they found a loaded gun and $100,000 in suspected fentanyl, meth and crack cocaine. He was in and out of traffic. He wasn't wearing the helmet. It wasn't just not wearing the helmet. His driving behavior, riding behavior was unsafe. So officers decided to make the stop. He chose not to stop, which led, it just snowballed. And luckily the officers stayed with it and were able to get a gun off the street. Not to mention $100,000 in drugs. Police say the e-bike is worth $12,000. It was also stolen. Ryan Joseph Lloyd has been charged with six offenses in the incident, including three counts of possession for the purpose of trafficking and possessing a weapon for a dangerous purpose. Well, the family of a man who was shot and killed on his wedding day is reacting to the news there will be no new trial in the case. As Kristen Robinson reports, a B.C. appeal court decision this week ensures Samandeep Singh Gill will remain a free man. The family of 30-year-old Manbir Kajla, who was worshipped by his nephews and nieces and known as a giant teddy bear, Stunned to learn there will be no new trial for Samandeep Singh Gill, the man charged with Kajla's murder and later acquitted, after Crown lost its appeal to BC's top court. Our family is deeply disappointed in the recent appeal court verdict. We understand that Samandeep Gill's charter rights were encroached, and I understand his lawyer's position as well, in that this is not a loophole they use to get an acquittal. But what about Manbir? What about his rights? He did nothing wrong. 
In March 2021, Gill was acquitted of second-degree murder and attempted murder in connection to a deadly 2011 road rage shooting in Surrey. Kajla was killed on his wedding day while his new bride survived. More than six years after the murder, police uncovered a key piece of evidence, an audio recording of the killing from a pocket dial captured on an iPhone seized from Gill's house. The shooter not identified. And in the audio, uh, says, yo, what? And my brother said, you hit me. And then, he, and then all you hear him saying, no, 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 hold on. He goes, you hear saying, no, 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 I didn't. Hold on. And then you hear him put two bullets into my brother's heart. Crown's case crumbled after the damning audio was deemed inadmissible by Justice Masuhara because the integrated homicide investigation team deliberately violated Section 490 of the Criminal Code by holding the evidence unlawfully for years. In a unanimous decision Monday, BC's Court of Appeal found the trial judge made no legal error in excluding the evidence. This was not an accident, say Kajla's loved ones. He was murdered in cold blood. He had two bullets fatally pumped into his heart with no remorse and no empathy. Furthermore, the shooter continued to fire at Manbir's wife and into people's homes. I don't understand where the common sense is in this. This was not a corner store robbery or a bicycle theft. Somebody lost their life. Parents lost a son and we lost a sibling. I think if this was a member of Justice Masuhara's family, he would have dealt with this differently. Unfortunately, this was just another Indian kid on the street that lived far away from their neighborhoods. Ajla's family says it is exploring the possibility of suing the RCMP and BC's Ministry of Justice. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Well, it's no secret that seniors are vulnerable to scam artists. But as with many other things, artificial intelligence is now changing the game putting them in even more danger. As Grace Key shows us, police say that makes education more important than ever. Don't wait until a family member comes home. You need to call the police straight away. Seniors at Broadway Lodge, a long-term care home in Vancouver, are getting an important lesson on how to protect themselves from scams. She put this chain around me and at the same time stole mine. So the best thing we can do is prevent it. And the biggest one is personal space. Hi there, it's Chris from the courthouse. Two years ago, Vancouver seniors handed over $8,000 to get a nephew out of jail. It turned out to be a scam. The seniors home asked for this VPD scam prevention seminar when one of its residents lost $5,000 after getting a threatening phone call. They said that they knew where she lived and that they could find her and she was scared. The Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre says overall fraud cost Canadians at least $380 million in 2021. That shot up by 40% in 2022 to $530 million. Even more dramatic, losing $2.4 million to emergency scams in 2021 and $9.2 million the following year. In BC, the loss is totaling over $322,000.
$1,000. Police say the new technology that's making all the headlines these days is also making scams more effective and dangerous. Especially with artificial intelligence, scams are changing all the time. So we've had scenarios where people have called using other people's voices and it's just getting more complex. Technology is great, but it can also work against us. Vancouver police have five other seminars scheduled. They are open to the public. For more information on scam prevention for seniors or if you're interested in hosting a workshop in Vancouver, you can log on to the Vancouver Police Foundation website. The seminars can be held in different languages. It's a way to empower seniors and prevent them from becoming a target. Grace Key, Global News. North Vancouver RCMP are warning the public after a teen boy was attacked in a public washroom. It happened at about 3 o'clock last Friday afternoon inside the public restroom at Inter River Park. The boy was using the urinal when he was approached from behind and sexually assaulted. The victim hit his attacker and managed to get away. The suspect is described as a man between the ages of 30 to 50 years old, about 6 feet tall with a medium to large build. He was wearing a black hoodie and dark pants. We commend the victim in this case uh, coming forward with these allegations. Uh, these allegations are serious in nature and we're taking it very serious. Um, we know that it's not an easy thing for victims of sexual assault to come forward, but we want to reassure the public and the victim that uh, we take their complaints very seriously and we'll do everything we can to for, you know, catch a suspect. If you were in the park last Friday afternoon and witnessed the attack or saw the suspect, you're asked to contact North Vancouver RCMP. Mounties in Richmond are hoping to curb catalytic converter thefts by adding an extra layer of protection for vehicle owners. Thefts continue to rise in the province with repairs often costing thousands of dollars. Angela Jung reports. Sound no one wants to hear. This roar signaling a catalytic converter has been removed. I'm a participating shop to protect my catalytic converter. Now, Redline Automotive and nine other auto repair shops in the city have agreed to be part of the Richmond RCMP's You Etch It, We Catch It program. Five. Drivers can get the last eight characters of their VIN engraved onto their catalytic converters. The process will be done during a routine maintenance appointment at no extra cost. If we catch someone with that catalytic converter and the VIN doesn't match up with that vehicle, then we know it's stolen. Mounties say catalytic converter thefts have been revving up. The technology with power tools, um, it just makes it so easy for someone to crawl under, say, an SUV-type vehicle and just cut the catalytic converter out within minutes. In 2017, ICBC recorded 89 catalytic converter thefts, but five years later, the number soared to more than 6,100. In the first seven months of 2023, there were $8.2 million worth of catalytic converter theft claims. Surrey RCMP launched their Etchit program in April of last year and say there was a 76% drop in catalytic converter thefts in the third quarter of last year compared to the year before. This is the cat. Um, usually it's just cut there and there. BC's Solicitor General says he's continuing to look for province-wide solutions. We, we've got an engagement process with the industry itself in terms of what other measures uh, could be required to be able to deal with the situation of catalytic uh, converter, converter thefts. Excuse me! Crooks targeting the catalytic converters for their precious metals. So many being stolen that 
they're not stalking them anymore. Driving everyone involved to try and curb the crime. Angela Jung, Global News. Well, it can be tough for many B.C. families to find before and after school childcare, in part because there just aren't enough appropriate spaces for those programs. Advocates say one obvious solution is to host them in schools. But as Richard Zussman reports, the teachers' union says it isn't that simple. It's the school pickup scramble. Families just trying to make do with a lack of before and after school care. And there is an option at the roundhouse, but there's a waiting list to get in. Um, some parents wait a long time, um, and not every school has that. So absolutely, yes, it's a challenge. Child care advocates say school-aged care has been ignored, but there's a potential solution, using schools outside of classroom hours. So it's the perfect place to provide before and after school care. It's a provision of care that QP supports. They've already got education assistants who are working in the schools, often part-time, who could take on additional responsibilities. The BC Teachers Federation has been supportive of the push for universal child care, saying this would support teachers with their own kids and create seamless care, but have some concerns. Teachers need to know that they're going to have a place to do their uh, prep for their days. You know, a, a teacher's day isn't just the instructional time with kids. It's the time before and after school, uh, preparing for that day and preparing for the next day. It can be even their lunchroom, where that's the place where they eat their lunch and, and take their breaks. And so the, part of it's the unknown. Schools like this sit empty for much of the afternoon, but new child care minister Mitzi Dean says she's willing to work with the districts to extend those hours, but there's no timeline yet on when these doors may be thrown open for kids outside of those typical hours. So we have invested in 10,000 spaces uh, for before and after school care. We're actively working with school districts, talking to them about how before and after school care can be provided. According to Stats Canada data from 2023, 58.8% of BC families say they had a difficult time finding childcare. And it's unclear how big the demand is for those 5 to 12 years old, because many parents don't even go on waiting lists because they know there's no hope of actually getting a spot. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. West Vancouver's mayor admits misconduct in his actions as a lawyer. The reason he's no longer allowed to practice law for at least two years. What happened when we asked him about it and why there are now calls for him to resign. That's next on the News Hour. Pink Shirt Day celebrations, the meaning of the message, with still too many kids at risk of bullying. And it quickly became an iconic backdrop for photos, but where will the Vancouver sign end up permanently? We'll talk about that later. First, though, there are calls tonight for the mayor of West Vancouver to resign. Mark Sager has been suspended from practicing law for two years. As Catherine Urquhart tells us, it's not the first time his judgment has been called into question. At West Vancouver City Hall, Mayor Mark Sager heads into a police board meeting. Earlier in the day, the Law Society of BC announced Sager's law license has been suspended for two years for professional misconduct. What you have to say about being sanctioned by the Law Society? 
No, that's an agreed, that was an agreed uh, settlement, and I am thrilled. Sager has admitted that before becoming mayor and while practicing law, he was in a conflict of interest in his role as executor and trustee of a client's will. Included in the Law Society findings, Sager improperly withdrew from trust some or all of $40,000 in executor fees and more than $24,000 in management fees. The respondent invoiced the estate more than $162,000 for travel expenses between August 2012 and May 2019. This conduct constitutes professional misconduct, conduct unbecoming a lawyer. I think he should seriously consider stepping aside, yeah. I mean, if it was me, I would step aside. Some people are calling for you to step aside as mayor. Oh. This has been in the public domain for years. I've had this dispute with the Law Society. I'm not stepping aside. I've got a job to do. Uh, it was expensive, $1,500. Sager continues to be under investigation by Elections BC for purchasing furniture with money from his election campaign. He claimed that he asked Elections BC if that was okay. And I said, could I spend the money to redo the mayor's office? And uh, he said, certainly. Port Moody police are conducting the ongoing investigation for Elections BC, which is reviewing possible irregularities identified during a compliance review of Sager's campaign financing disclosure statement. Any concerns about the fact that the Port Moody police are still investigating? I haven't heard a word. That was two and a, two and a half months ago. I think that speaks for itself too. Thanks. Sager's suspension from practicing law for two years begins April 1st. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Up next, affordable housing saved. How the B.C. Rental Protection Fund stepped in to safeguard this building and its tenants. Also ahead, an example of how the federal government's new pharmacare bill could be life-changing for those living with diabetes. Reprieve for residents of an apartment building in Esquimalt that was slated to be sold to developers next month. The Luma Native Housing Society has purchased the building with support from the province's Rental Protection Fund. That means the 16 families who live there will not face rent eviction or displacement. Not only are we able to keep these homes protected long into the future, but we're able to protect the 16 families that live in this home. Uh, long ways from one year ago when investors were talking about buying this and having tenant turnover. The Rental Protection Fund is contributing $3 million to the $5.3 million purchase price. As units become available over time, the development management company will prioritize housing for Indigenous people as part of its mandate. Well, health care was a hot topic during question period today with the government under fire over wait times and lack of access to primary care. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria with more. Keith, there have been a number of stories recently about the delays and tragedies mm -hmm. and sparks were flying in the house. Yeah, it was more like yelling period today than question period, Sophie. The opposition turning all their guns on the government, particularly on the issue of health care, and as you mentioned, on the wait time issues. Health, uh, BC United Healthcare critic Shirley Bond talking about one of her constituents, or one of the people who reached out to their caucus, about the long wait times they're experiencing at primary, urgent primary care centers, as, lining up as early as 6 a.m. and not getting in throughout the day. So again, as our population increases, and we just simply can't add doctors and nurses fast enough to keep pace with the growing demands on health care. So here's a bit of a snippet of exchange between Shirley Bond and Health Minister Adrian Dix uh, today. 
people start to line up before 6 o'clock in the morning at the West Shore Urgent Primary Care Centre, only to be turned away because it is at full capacity. And all they are looking for is medical care that is not available. How many people will die because they have not received timely care? What I'm in favour of is a health human rewards plan that invests in more doctors, in more nurses, in more health sciences professionals. And if you heard the words of the president of the doctors of BC, who the member purports to speak for, honourable speaker, reports to speak for, he'll tell you about the impact in family practice of the changes we've made with the doctors of BC just now. I'm, Honourable Speaker, in favour of public health care in British Columbia, and I will continue to be so. So one of the pieces of information that emerged from today's question period from Health Minister Adrian Dix is that the doctors of BC now say uh, the number of people without family doctors have dropped to 700,000, down 300,000 from a million. Still 700,000 people without a family doctor, though, which means I think we're going to see stories like this continue to emerge in the legislature, and you're going to continue to see pretty fiery exchanges between the opposition and the government, particularly Health Minister Adrian Dix, on the issue of health care on an ongoing, business, ongoing basis as the next provincial election uh, approaches come October. This is a hot-button issue. It will continue to be so. And we'll keep reporting on it. Thank you, Keith. Yep. People in B.C. with diabetes and their loved ones are eagerly awaiting more clarity on what will be covered in the federal government's proposed Pharmacare bill. As Cassidy Moscone reports, some people are paying hundreds of dollars a month, and full coverage would be a game-changer. Good afternoon, Windmill. Amber Mallet has been living with type 1 diabetes for more than a decade. The doctors kept saying, oh, it's a flu, it's anxiety. And then I ended up in a coma with a blood sugar of 38.7, supposed to be between 4 and 10, and they didn't know if I was even going to live. This is everything I need to check my blood sugar. The Burnaby resident relies on multiple medications and devices every day, life-saving necessities that add up. It's like a whole paycheck a month just to cover what I need to stay alive. I'm 31 years old and it's really embarrassing to tell people that I still live with my parents because I am completely reliant. It's totally stopped me from like even really considering having kids because if I can't support myself, how could I support little people? Amber is one of more than half a million British Columbians living with diabetes that could benefit from a new federal pharmacare bill promising to pick up the tab on life-changing medications and devices. It will literally change my life. Like, it'll make it so I'm able to move out and be independent of my parents and have a life of my own and diabetes won't, like, be everything about me anymore. BC Diabetes has been calling for it for years, but the organisation says not everything will be covered. Zempic will not be covered by the Federal Pharmacare Program. I find that prejudicial. Um, it's an extremely useful type 2 diabetes drug. I can only think that it's not being covered because it, people consider it's being abused for weight loss. The full scope of coverage and who's eligible yet to be revealed. The Federal Health Minister wouldn't spill any details on the new legislation Wednesday, but we won't be waiting long. The deadline to introduce the plan is this Friday. Cassidy Moscone, Global News. Taking a stand against bullying. People don't want to report these crimes. What our kids are exposed to and how the trauma can linger for years next.
And what the Whitecaps' popular coach thinks about starting the season in exile on the sidelines. From breaking news to developing stories, no one connects you to your community better than BC's number one news. Come home to the team you trust. Local news every day. Global News. We are BC's News. You might have been able to tell looking at us. It is Pink Shirt Day today and new data from Statistics Canada shows younger people are still at high risk of experiencing online harms and they're more likely than other age groups to participate in cyber aggression. And as Catherine Ward explains, being bullied while you're youth can have lifelong effects. Clinical psychologist Dr. Dylan Brown says he's worried about the bullying and hate today's youth are facing. It's not an isolated event. It's not something that happens to a minority of youth who are at risk. This is really becoming part of the phenomenon of growing up in Canada. Young people are the most at risk of being exposed to online aggression, according to new Statistics Canada data. In 2022, 71% of Canadians aged 15 to 24 reported seeing media online that could incite hate or violence. That's notably higher than the national average of 49%. Analysts say the data doesn't capture the full scope of the problem, given many incidents go unreported. People don't want to report these crimes. And so when we look at these statistics, we know that they're a lot smaller than what is actually going on. Experts say online aggression can lead to bullying, but they are on two ends of a spectrum, from being a witness to becoming a perpetrator. You have something from like insulting somebody's clothes all the way up to coaching suicide. And psychiatry professor Dr. George Slavich's research shows children who are bullied face lasting impacts. For youth who were bullied, who subsequently went on to experience uh, interpersonal trust issues, they were three and a half times more likely to develop mental health problems than were youth who did not develop trust issues as a result of having been bullied. So amid the annual sea of pink is an important reminder. We have a lot of work cut out for us. And if there's anyone who can handle it, it's this generation. Catherine Ward, Global News, Toronto. And in it is the 17th annual mm -hmm. CKNW Kids Fund Pink Shirt Day. And on this day, we really want, really want to focus on the need for kindness and compassion. Those kids get it. Be kind indeed. They're from BGC South Coast, BC, formerly known as the Boys and Girls Club. They held a rally at Broadway and Canby this afternoon to show their support for the annual anti-bullying campaign. The initiative started in Nova Scotia back in 2007 when a boy was picked on for wearing a pink shirt. And since then, it's expanded to include people of all ages in any environment, including online. And the theme for this year is all kinds of kindness. Indeed, let's lift each other up. Just ahead, leap year, lower wages. Everyone has this burning question. Why the extra day doesn't necessarily lead to extra pay. And it was always supposed to be temporary, but how the wildly popular Vancouver sign could live on somewhere else. The city of Kelowna is taking some responsibility for traffic problems this morning after the latest blast of winter. Many of Kelowna's roads became sheets of ice, making the morning commute quite treacherous. 
The city says because the forecast, they say, had called for milder temperatures than actually came, it didn't pre-treat the roads with anti-icing products because they don't help in milder temperatures. Typically when we see those uh, temperature profiles, we decide not to pre-treat, so you've seen us go out previously pre-treating the roads. We do that when we anticipate that the temperature stay below freezing and that there's a risk of freezing. In this case, we made a decision not to pre-treat, and in hindsight, it's 2020, we should have pre-treated. Even though it was a challenging commute for a lot of drivers, police say fortunately there were no serious crashes or injuries as a result. All right, let's bring in senior meteorologist Christy Gordon with a look at that forecast and uh, trouble mm -hmm. on the sea to sky as well. I mean, it, it is still winter. It is still winter, and that's exactly what we need. We need winters to stick around so we can get that snowpack. By the way, for those of you in Kelowna, they were exactly right. Temperatures did plummet much further below the freezing mark than we were expecting, with a low near the freezing mark uh, is what we were expecting. We got minus 6, so it's no wonder they had some problems. Just wanted to show you a photo from uh, the Whistler area. Over 50 centimeters of snow fell in that area, and we're seeing substantial snow on all of the mountain passes. This is the scene in the Kukahala today. So there's the main event here we're going to see we're going to get in behind it and see much more spotty conditions as we head into tomorrow but a lot of people have been asking is this an atmospheric river and it's not because it doesn't have that subtropical uh connection you can see it doesn't sort of touch all the way further south but it did bring in substantial um moisture it's just that we didn't see that rise in freezing levels that we tend to get from an atmospheric river and that's what we want we want the freezing levels to stay low but we want the moisture as well so here's a look we get in behind it tomorrow we're going to see spotty conditions all across the region. The pockets of snowfall will be intense at times, and it brings in the possibility of a risk of thunderstorms as well. We may even see a downpour of hail and a pocket of snowfall even across the lower mainland as temperatures tonight will drop down to zero degrees. But the most significant snow will be overnight. Tomorrow, it will become much more spotty. So there's your forecast for your Thursday, everyone. We are expecting still a few flurries for the interior regions just overnight. Temperatures will warm up during the day, and we're expecting the possibility of a few wet flurries overnight even across the south coast but generally warming up during the day and again tomorrow being very spotty as you can see with a risk of thunderstorms and I wouldn't rule out a pocket of hail. Don't leave home without your rain jacket. Staying cool and unsettled over the next little while and that's what we need for the mountains. Here's tonight's central windows weather window from Adele. This is looking out over Francois Lake and I believe this was from yesterday. Beautiful shot with the sun dog as the sun was setting there. Back to you too. Very nice. Thanks, Christy. As long as it's dumping in the mountains, nobody's complaining. All right, a Vancouver City Councilor is pitching the idea of a permanent Vancouver sign inspired by a temporary one near Canada Place. Now, that sign was installed about two months ago, and it's become a popular site for locals and tourists to take pictures. It is set to be removed later this week, but Councillor Peter Meisner says he's looking for ideas on possible designs and spots where it might be installed. Meisner has submitted a motion for Council to consider a permanent sign at a future meeting. We'll see where it pops up. Uh, look who's just popping up in our screens right now. Well, I was here a little bit earlier. Yeah, you were. You did. You're I not was, out I of was, breath I or was, anything. I was early this time. Impressive. Which is yeah. different for me. <laughs> Yo, what are you going to do with all that extra time? Well, I, uh, I enjoyed the story of the sign. <laughs> now I'm going to read my little part. Uh, when the Whitecaps face uh, Charlotte this Saturday, the coach on the sidelines will be Michael D'Agostino because, of course, Vanny Sartini is under suspension. But D'Agostino says the Whitecaps will not suffer because of that.
ultimately Vanny's the boss, uh, but we, we all make those decisions together, whether they're tactically, technically, player-wise, whatever it is. So Vanny can be in the stadium. He just can't be on the sidelines. That's D'Agostino's role until Vanny's suspension ends. All right, we'll hear more from you later. Also ahead, nice. the leap year loophole. Why you might be working for free tomorrow. I missed the game because I wanted to hear Squire talk about it. And he and he will. It was a thrilling end. That it didn't quite go the way we well, wanted it to. Well, if you're a Pittsburgh but... fan, it was huge. <laughs> That's right. Hey, 14 years ago today, what happened? Uh, Golden goal. Oh yes. Yes, Final that's day right. of the Olympics, Sidney Crosby. He was there last night, but of course, 14 years ago, he scored the golden goal, and Canada won the gold medal in men's hockey. Okay, so when the NHL added a point to the team that loses in overtime, it did take the sting out of such a loss, but not for the Vancouver Canucks last night. That 4-3 uh, overtime defeat against the Penguins didn't end with an, oh, well, at least we still got a point. There was anger for blowing a 2-0 and a 3-2 lead, and one of the frustrating things of late for Rick Talkett is some of his players have not been disciplined enough. You know, I think we lead the league in penalties since the All-Star break. Um, that's kind of a concerning thing for me because a lot of it's the stick. we got, we got to stop. Um, turnovers, things like that. Uh, consistency when it comes to those categories is something we got to get better at if we want to get to the next level. So it's, it's been addressed, not just for me. I think the players are saying it too, which is a good thing. Okay, so now the Canucks have lost five of their last six games. Some of their main guys have not been their normal selves. Elias Pettersson, three points in that time frame. Elias Lindholm, one point, a minus five. Even Quinn Hughes is a minus four in the last six. But JT Miller has had great numbers, six goals and five assists in his last six games. And last night, he scored his 30th of the year, shorthanded. It gave Vancouver a 3-2 lead at that point. And it was the ultimate Miller goal, combining hustle and muscle. My timing's good. I think that's a big thing. Is uh, sometimes I'm working really hard and not really in the right spot. And uh, you know, I think since you know since that Chicago game, I felt uh, a little better. Um, it's not that my legs aren't there all the time. Like I said, it's very. This game is so timing based. I think that the guys will tell you. I feel like you're just skating laps and you're never in the right spot. And I feel like my instincts right now are just a little sharper and it's allowing me to be in the right place. And I think, I mean, once that happens, everything else kind of takes care of itself. So the Vancouver Whitecaps start the regular season Saturday against Charlotte at BC Place. They're hoping for a big crowd. And among the crowd will be head coach Vanny Sartini because he's not allowed on the sidelines after he got suspended for what Major League Soccer called multiple violations in the Caps' final game last year. Vanny Sartini is making the most of the Whitecaps training sessions this week because come the Caps' season opener at home on Saturday, Vanny can have no contact or be anywhere near his players 90 minutes prior to game time. It's all part of the conditions of his six-match suspension that was handed down at the end of last season for Vanny's on-field antics and post-game comments. Yeah, it's going to be a little strange, of course, uh, and uh, a little bit frustrating, to be honest. Uh, you know, but uh, it is what it is. I got a red card in the last game last year, so I have to serve the suspension. And uh, we worked even more with... Uh, uh, with the players to let them know what we want from them on the field. I worked even more with my staff. 
Assistant coach in Vancouver, born and raised Michael D'Agostino, will assume the head coach's role during Vanny's suspension. D'Agostino is a long-serving member of the Caps organization, and he's not only a familiar face, but also speaks the same coaching language and tactics as Vanny, albeit a slightly muted voice than Sartini. You know, it's it's a big responsibility, but really at the end of the day, nothing changes. You know, we're, we're a group leading the team like we always have been under Vanny. And, and obviously when you don't have your leader, like you, you know, everybody has to step a little bit more. And, and I'm going to do that. And so is everybody else in the staff. So, you know, it's it's an exciting thing for me, but it's also something that doesn't give me a lot of nerves because I think we'll be fully prepared and the players know what they need to do. There is a possibility that Vanny's six-game coaching exile could be shortened. He's completed the league-mandated behavioral assessment and treatment programs. Now it's up to Major League Soccer to decide if that suspension gets reduced. Either way, for the players, it's business as usual on the pitch. We, we rally behind Mike. We listen to what he has to say. And obviously, the you know the game plan and everything is the same. Vanny's there out on training. He'll be, uh, I'm sure, yelling as loud as he can from the, the suite. So, um, yeah, you know, it's we have all the trust in Mike. I'm really looking forward to being out there. As I said before, it's... 90% of my job is during the week, but that 10% is also the 10% that gives you more boost, more adrenaline, and, uh, and gives you also more joy. So I hope to be back on the sidelines as soon as I can. Well, we end with some sad news from the CFL. Former BC Lions defensive lineman Craig Rowe, whom you see in this photo wearing number 93, died on Monday from colon cancer at the age of only 33. He played 45 games with the Lions from 2015 to 2017, uh, finished his career with Winnipeg, where he did win a Grey Cup in 2019. There you go. Thinking of him and uh, his family, Squire. Thanks for that. No doubt. Up next, why some people might feel a bit shortchanged on their paychecks this month. Alyssa Tebow is standing by in the newsroom with a look ahead to Global News at 11 tonight. Alyssa? Well, Sophie, we're watching a vote at UBC tonight involving a Jewish organization on campus. The student union is considering terminating the lease of Hillel House. So this story started in November when I Heart Hamas stickers appeared on campus. It was later revealed a contractor with Hillel House was behind them. The student union is tonight considering a referendum question asking if the organization's lease should be terminated and whether to remove Israel from the university's exchange program. What the Premier had to say on the topic and the results of that vote tonight at 11. Sophie. All right, thanks for that, Alyssa. So the old verse goes, 30 days hath September, April, June, and November. All the rest have 31, excepting leap year. That's the time when February counts 29. Is that how it goes? Apparently. <laughs> okay. Well, as Ann Gaviola explains, that creates a bit of a compensation conundrum for millions of Canadians who might just be working for free. Once every four years... Thousands, if not millions of Canadians, may find themselves working pro bono on February 29th. I get paid on a per course basis, so I guess this semester is one day longer, So, but I still get paid the same amount, so whoa, good point. It's the top source of concern and consternation among employers and employees alike, based on questions being fielded by HR experts. We have an AI-powered chatbot that over the last few weeks, the number of queries going into it by our current customers has been doubling, if not tripling, because everyone has this burning question. Will tomorrow be a February freebie or a February bonus for you? It depends on how your compensation is set up. For most employees, in fact, 
I'll say the vast majority of employees, you should expect it is going to be business as usual. If you're paid hourly or per shift, you have an extra day's pay. But if you're a salaried worker with a fixed amount annually that isn't adjusted for leap years, then you're technically working for free on that extra last day of this unusual month. Well, I'm a salaried employee. I work for the provincial government. So to me, it's just like, yeah, I guess in a sense, you're right. It would be nice to take a day off. I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. Where things can get particularly complicated is for minimum wage workers who are compensated on an annual basis. If their pay falls below minimum wage because of the extra day, they may be entitled to extra compensation. And if that is the case, they can get in touch with the labor ministry in their province or territory. I just mm. blew your mind, didn't I? With you the, did. With the, the on the knuckles, you go January, February, March, yeah. April. Okay, did Christine, you learn thank that? you. I, ne I have never totally. heard that before in my I, life. I, I think it was a BC <laughs> thing in Alberta. You guys didn't. Yeah, I know. Did we you know didn't. what square? I, of course. My mother used to show that to me, yeah. Okay, so the knuckles are 31. Well, now, I'll, now I know that forever. <laughs> and I need moisturizer. <laughs> uh, yes. Hey, last word uh, before we go. They got a ton of snow up in the mountains. They're loving it in Whistler. Oh, they sure are. And we've got more of it on the way for us, our region tonight. Um, a spottier conditions tomorrow. And I can't wait to say happy birthday to all the leap year babies tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. That'll happen. All right. Thanks a lot, Christy. Thanks for watching, everyone. Good night, all.